thank you to everyone who leads Children's Church. I appreciate it. The kingdom of heaven, what is it like? Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said that the kingdom of heaven, it's like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all that he had. And he bought that field. That's what it's like finding the kingdom of heaven. Nothing else matters. Nothing else compares. You ever thought through that parable? He sold everything that he had in joy. That's what it's like finding the kingdom of heaven. He encountered something of such great worth that he went home and parted with everything else. Everything. Enjoy. For a chance to go back and get that treasure. Could you imagine him going home? Telling his wife, honey, we're selling the house. The car's everything. Everything. The kids aren't going to college. Everything. All of it's going. She said, Why? Because I found the kingdom of heaven. I found a treasure in a field. We're going to go buy that field. How good is this treasure in the field? It's amazing. Once we sell the house, you'll mourn that. But once we go get the treasure in that field, you'll understand. Once you see how valuable it is, it'll all make sense. Let's go get that treasure. Let's pursue it with everything that we have. Let's hold nothing back. Jesus says that's the kingdom of heaven for someone who finds it. In today's story, we are in John chapter 11 and then into John 12. We've been going through John for months now. And in today's story, there are two people who we see so clearly their reactions to encountering the kingdom of heaven. And one of them is about to pour out everything that they have. And the other walks the complete opposite way. And looks only for what they can gain, not what they can give. This is following the resurrection of Lazarus. We just finished that last week. So as we go through the sermon today, we're going to start in John 11 at 45. We're going to read the rest of John 11. And then we're going to step into 12 and take a look at the anointing of Jesus at Bethany. This sermon's going to cost you absolutely everything. I hope that you're ready for that. I remember earlier this week, I was reading through this story, trying to think of how I was going to share it with you and teach it to you, and I got to the end, and I just had to stop for a moment and sit and pray. It's one thing to celebrate when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. It's another thing to be willing to pour out your life for him. This is the scripture of the Gospel of John, starting in chapter 11 at the 45th verse. It says this. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. Some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees, they called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing 
they asked, here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. Then the Romans will come. They'll take away both our temple and our nation. Then one of them, named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up and said, you know nothing at all. You do not realize that it's better for you that one man die for the people than the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own. But as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation. Not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together. Make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. Therefore, Jesus no longer moved about publicly among the people of Judea. Instead, he withdrew to a region near the wilderness, to a village called Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, many went up from the country to Jerusalem for their ceremonial cleansing before the Passover. They kept looking for Jesus. And as they stood in the temple courts, they asked one another, What do you think? Isn't he coming to the festival at all? But the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that anyone who found out where Jesus was should report it so that they might arrest him. So let's talk about this. Up until this time, the Sanhedrin, which was the 70 members of the Jewish ruling council, who were in charge by the Romans of keeping peace and civil order and watching over the religious festivities of their nation. The council had been trying to discourage people from following Jesus by claiming that his supernatural power was from demons, that he was a false teacher. They were trying every way to discourage people. Don't follow him. That's not the way. That's not the way back to God. But it wasn't working. Sign after sign, remember John doesn't call them miracles, There are signs of who he is. People are being drawn to Jesus. And now this resurrection of Lazarus has caused so many people to have faith in him that they're going to resort to murder. Caiaphas, the chief priest, says it's the only way. We have to stop this. What are we even accomplishing at this point anymore? We need to kill him. God had even prophesied through him supernaturally that this teacher, this holy man, Jesus, He would die to make sure that the Jewish nation wouldn't die and be destroyed. That would be his death. God had spoken through the high priest to say this was coming. And yet Caiaphas doesn't believe in Jesus. But God through him said, Jesus is going to die. And all people will be saved in the Jewish nation and even the scattered ones will be brought together. So Jesus is the most wanted man in the nation. He moves away from the capital And even from Bethany, which only a few miles out of the capital, and he moves to Ephraim. That's a town about 15 more miles up north and up east. It's on the edge of the wilderness. I imagine because if the Jews and Pharisees came and stormed town, he'd just head out of town the back way, out into the desert. They wouldn't catch him. And that's where he lived. This is sometime in between Hanukkah and Passover, sometime in between December and early April. And he stayed there until it was time for the ceremony, until it was time to go back. But going back was going to cost him how much? 
going back to the capital. It was going to cost him everything. They were waiting for him. They'd given orders that if anyone saw him, they had to report him for arrest. He was as good as dead if he came back. Would Jesus love the people enough to return one more time for Passover? That's why the people are wondering, where is he? Do you think he's coming back? I doubt it. I haven't even seen him. Because they know the word around town. If he shows his face, he's done. Jesus always did. He always went to the temple courts. That's where he went. The capital, the center of town, where thousands of people are gathered. And he would go there and teach. They would find him for sure. Will Jesus come? This is chapter 12, verse 1. It was six days before the Passover. So this is the Saturday. The next day would be Palm Sunday. Jesus came to the town of Bethany. That's where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served. Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold? The money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor. He was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You'll always have the poor among you. You will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there, and they came. Not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. The anointing of Jesus with oil. As you begin to read this story, I wonder if it draws your mind back to where it drew my mind. Do you remember when Samuel went looking for the next king of Israel? Remember he went to Jesse's house and he asked him to show him his sons. And all the sons went in front of Samuel until eventually he said, there's got to be one more son. These sons aren't the right ones. And they find David out working in the field, taking care of the animals. He was just young, just young. Samuel goes, that's the next king of Israel. And he takes oil and he anoints him. You will be king. The very next day, Jesus is going to ride into the capital on a donkey, like Zachariah said. He's going to come into his city to retake his throne 
And the day before, here's Mary pouring oil on him. If you read in the Gospel of Mark, he says that Mary took this oil and poured it over his head. And then you read in the Gospel of John, and he poured it on his feet. She poured it on his feet. So is one of them right and one of them wrong? Or did she do both? Why would John only record the pouring on the feet? Because as she takes this perfume and begins to put it over top of Jesus, first his head and probably then she lowers herself down to the feet and pours it on the feet, John looks at this. And you imagine, he knows that in the next chapter he's going to tell the story of Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. Why did Jesus do that? It says to show the full extent of his love. He humbles himself, taking the position of the servant, taking the towel, wrapping around his waist, taking the water, showing his disciples that even though I am God, even though I am master, I've not come for you to serve me, but I've come to serve you. Allow me to wash your feet. Here's Mary. This encounter with Jesus who brought her brother back from the dead. And Mary goes and grabs the perfume and humbles herself and drops down and grabs the feet and is pouring this perfume over it. And she's taking her hair. Women don't undo their hair in public in the Jewish culture and she undoes it. She's using it as a towel. She's wiping the feet and washing them. And then we hit the value. It's not even until we encounter Judas that we realize the value of what she's just done. Why wasn't this perfume sold? Why wasn't the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. One commentary I was reading said 300 denarii, the value for pure nard perfume imported from India. Somebody's life savings. This could be everything that Mary had ever put aside. This could be all of it in value. And Jesus comes back the day before he enters the city, and what does she do? She goes, she finds it on the shelf, she grabs it. 20000 30000 $40,000. Can you imagine what this is worth? And as Jesus is sitting and having his meal, she cracks it open and begins to pour it out. The head, the feet, she pours it out. There's no going back. You can't, you can't scoop perfume off the ground and carefully put some of it back in. Once she pours it out, it's gone. She's encountered something worth so much that what she's set aside, it's not worth it anymore. Now it's simply an act of worship to take what she has saved, the most valuable thing that she's probably ever owned, and in worship pours it out. Jesus, you are greater than this perfume. I'd rather have you than have it. And it's all poured out. Everyone is witnessing this. What would Martha think? What would Lazarus think? Watching Mary sacrifice all that she had, this incredible value. She could have retired off of it. That could have been her nest egg that sustained her for 20 years. But in that moment, it's just her and the king. And she lays it all down at his feet. 
Everyone is witnessing this. We find out through the scripture that this was also an act of preparing Jesus for his burial. Because taking spices and perfume and placing it on the body preps the body to be placed in the cave where it's going to decompose and stink. So now the whole room that once smelled like Martha's cooking smells like a funeral home covered in perfume. Do you imagine if you poured out a whole bottle of perfume? you imagine the headache you'd get from that smell? It doesn't matter. It's all poured out. And here's Judas sitting on the other side, looking at all this value poured out at the feet of the king. And what's he thinking to himself? Boy, I would have loved to get my hands on some of that. Here's the most sacrificial form of worship that we've seen in the gospel. And instead of Judas going, look at that sacrifice to lay it all down for Jesus. Judas looks at it and goes, if I just had a shot at some of that cash, what I could do with it. Why didn't you donate it to the church? I, I carry the money. You should put it in. As he's putting it in his pocket. So I'm reading this and imagining myself. Like me, am I willing to take that thing, that most valuable thing that I have in my life, and say, Jesus, this used to be my treasure, but now that I know you and your kingdom, you are my treasure, and I will pour this out for you in worship. Or do I approach the gospel story looking at this incredible treasure and value, thinking, if I could just get my hands on a little bit of that, that's all I need. As we prepare for Easter and go through a season of Lent, three crosses are placed on the stage. You read in Luke's gospel that criminals guilty of their crimes are placed on either side. One of them shaming Jesus. If you were truly God, do what God would do and take yourself down. If you're truly Savior, save yourself. If you're truly healer, heal yourself. If you really are powerful, show your power. Mocking Jesus. And here's the other criminal saying, don't you understand? We're guilty of our crimes and we're paying the price for our crimes. This man has done nothing wrong. And yet his punishment is our punishment. Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom. And he does. As we prepare for Lent, do you wonder which side you'll end up on? The side who's acknowledging the gift of Jesus, recognizing that he took on himself a punishment that only you and I deserved. Guilty of no crime, worshiping him with your life, or you end up on the other side, criticizing what he's done. Focus only on yourself. The sign that they nail up above Jesus on the cross. When they would crucify someone, they'd do it along the highway so everyone could see entering the city. And often, they'd post their crime up above them so you could see what they were guilty of. Murderer, thief, treason. And Pilate says the sign that will go on Jesus' cross is what? King. Everyone will walk by and go, what did he do? King of the Jews. They killed him because he was the king. But they wanted to live for their own kingdom, not for his.
Mary made a choice in that moment which kingdom she was going to live for. Judas made a very clear decision in his actions and thought which, which kingdom he was living for. We're going through a lot of transition. As a church, we have a new pastor coming next week to come help and take care of our church family. Right? Even I need to prepare my heart right now. Well, I have an approach of extending grace and love, taking the posture of a servant to help care for this person? Or am I simply the Judas looking at this going, what can I gain from this? I'm going to grumble if I don't get what I want. That temptation is inside of me constantly, and I battle this. What side am I going to end up on? The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure found out in a field. Man found it and buried it and sold everything that he had in joy and went and bought that field. Do you think Mary looked back and regretted the fact that she poured out her perfume? Do you think the man that sold everything that he had in joy regretted buying the field? Church, this is our call to come before the king. And I know right now some of us are questioning why God is doing what he's doing. Why would God allow this kind of pain in our lives? Why would God allow this kind of hurt? You might be in a situation where you are praying for an answer for something and God's gone silent. Why would I bring my perfume before him and pour it out? What has he done for me? And then we return to the cross. We remember that Jesus poured himself out for us. Completely. Without reservation. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because he lives, we can pour out the most valuable thing that you and I have been treasuring in our lives, we can pour that out with confidence because he lives. I know placing him first is going to cost us, but because he lives, all fear is gone. I know he holds the future. I want to pray for us as a church family, and we're going to sing one song together. So bow with me. Let's approach the throne of grace. Heavenly Father, I don't know how to thank you for this. I'm humbled. You poured out everything for me. In the garden, you're praying, would there be another way? And the Father says, no. The only way is to be completely poured out. And you say, not my will, but yours be done, and you do it. And Father, now you've called me and you've called my church family to pour out the things in our lives that we treasure more than you and pour them out in worship. To declare you as king and to allow nothing to get in the way of our following of your kingdom and our worship of you. Father, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for the moments 
when I treasure other things ahead of you. When I pursue selfish gain, when I put myself first before others, when I criticize you for not doing what I want, forgive me. Father, thank you for the, thank you for the cross. Thank you that I can willingly pour out my life knowing you poured yours out for mine. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that I can have hope, that I can teach my kids to have hope in you because you're powerful, because you care, because you're king, because you live. Take care of our church family, Lord Jesus. Watch over all of us. Draw our hearts into worship of you. We love you.